So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Ferris Plock. He's an old pal of mine from the San Francisco art scene. He sat down with me via Skype from his studio for the second time. We actually recorded a, a full interview and somehow, most likely user error, because that's usually I do something wrong if, if something has a total meltdown like this did. But we recorded about an hour and a half interview, and when I went back to go play it, uh, I only had 20 minutes of it recorded. And GarageBand, which I record all these podcasts in, had been acting crazy that day. So I, I it might be GarageBand's fault. Maybe we could just pretend that that's the case. But either way, um, he was able to join me again and sit down for another interview, which was great. Um, we talked about Time Machines, Alligator King, The Seventh Son, Ellis Island, Reality, Making Things, The Residency at the Dump, Porn, Making Babies, Trying Again, The Grind, Graphic Design, WonderCon, Depression, Weed, Negative Energy, and Nerd Orgy. <laughs> That's a fucking list. Um, Ferris, funny dude, super hard worker, um, totally talented and ultra creative. So I think you'll enjoy this interview. So as always, make sure you check out the website, MikeMaxwellArt.com and click on the blog link and you'll be able to check out all the information on each guest and click on all the links for all the information about the stuff that we talked about. Uh, you could follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast on Twitter. And there's also a like page, a a like page, fan page, whatever the fuck they call those things now on Facebook. Um, you can get all those links on the blog as well. Uh, make sure you subscribe in iTunes because that works best. You get all the shows automatically put right into your iTunes podcast folder. And if you're interested in donating to the podcast to help improve and evolve, um, you can do that via PayPal also on the blog. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ferris Pluck. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's ni- such a nice ring that this thing has. It's it's calming. What's up, buddy? Oh! I hung up on him. There we go. I hit the wrong button. What's up, buddy? Can you hear me? Wait. I heard something. How about now? There we go. I got you. I unplugged my headphones. When you unplugged it, the this the microphone worked, but when you plugged it in, the microphone didn't work. I think so. That might be tricky. Well, you know, we'll do what we got to do. Try again. Let's see what happens. All right, now say something. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're awesome. You're my fr- this is my first Skype. Virgin Skyper? <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've popped a couple Skype cherries. God, so frightening. <laughs> All technology and downloading stuff. Yeah, it's the future. I've been telling so many people that YouTube is a time machine. And we don't even, like, people don't even realize it. Yeah, yeah. Like, we, th- we think of time machines as DeLoreans and fucking, like, metal boxes and things that you got, like, type a number in. Fuck that. 
You go to YouTube, you type in something, you know, you type in a Led Zeppelin concert in fucking yeah. Paris in 1979, and you can, you can go there. Oh, my God, yeah. My wife, uh, she played uh, Alligator, The Alligator King. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? It's it's from our uh, it's from our when we were kids. It was like a Sesame Street. It's called Alligator Keg. Uh, no, King. Like oh, King. Yeah. No, I don't know. You might have to Google it. Well, see, I I pretended like I knew for a second so that you would just like go into the bit about it. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. Oh, what's... hold on, I'm gonna grab my other chair because this one goes crickety crickety crick. Okay, I'm gonna look up Alligator King. Alligator King. So awesome. I don't remember that. The illustrations are so good too. Oh my god! It's like his seven sons compete to like make him happy. And... What's that? What is that story about the seven sons? Where does that originally come from? Like, there's that uh, there's that white stripes line that Jack White uses. I might be the seventh son, or I'm your second lover. It's true that I'm the seventh son, or whatever. Yeah. Well, you're also freaking me out because right over your right shoulder right now. Oh, there's a multitude of sevens. What's going on? You got a ten on your shirt. What does that mean? Yeah, what's going on? Nothing. All right, bud. Well, well, thanks for taking the time to do the show. I appreciate it. No problem. We'll jump right into this thing. But hey, uh, this is the first time we've ever like actually finally oh, get to have a conversation. We're talking face to face, and so like, hey, maybe I'll see you in San Francisco. Yeah, I know. It, it's doing these things has been great for that because even like you know we met we met a few years ago at at a show in San Francisco yeah. that I was in, um, and <clears throat> you don't really get an opportunity to get to know somebody in those environments. No, like if you don't have an opportunity to sit down and shoot the shit for an hour, it's like you don't really get to know somebody. Yeah, open, uh, openings are freaky anyway, right? Everybody's like. <laughs> Yeah, it's so tense and weird and, like, unnatural. <laughs> We're all, like, introverted weirdos that don't like talking to people and then you, you know? Yeah, and sometimes we, we, ruin, we ruin it by talking about it, you yeah. know? <laughs> Which, yeah. right before I'm getting ready to make you talk about all your stuff. <laughs> Great. Um, you're sign language. Yeah, the video, the video is not being recorded just for reference. Okay, good. But you could do sign language the whole time if you want to. It'll just be for your own benefit. <laughs> uh, you're in San Francisco. Did you grow up in the Bay Area? I did. I, I uh, moved out here when I was about three and a half. Uh, my, all my family's from uh, the Philadelphia area, East Coast. There's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of plots in, um, in Philadelphia right around there. It's a it's a unique last name. I don't think I've heard it anywhere else. Uh I I'm pretty sure it it's it got the old uh Ellison uh, you know, island treatment. Uh, and my grandfather changed the spelling. Uh he had a uh a 
gas station. Then he changed it. So it, it was like, uh, I think the original spelling is P-L-O-C-H-E-N, Flocken. Uh-huh. Which is not, I mean, I haven't heard that either, but yeah. I mean, uh, well, it sounds a little more um, geographical, like more Eastern Europe. Yeah, German, definitely. Yeah. Like German descent for sure. Yeah, a lot of German on my dad on my dad's side of the family. It's weird how how we could just sort of fuck up the the system like that and just just shave off a little off the end. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, jeez, have a. A bunch of friends whose who, who, their names like Fox. I guess Fox is another one. You know, people that are called Foxes. O'Shaughnessy was like uh, the Irish. You know, like it meant basically run, run with the foxes or foxes, and then they were like, "Oh, so what does this mean?" And they're like, "Well, fox, run with the foxes," and they were just like, "Okay." So we're just going we're gonna trim the fat off of this. Yeah, just put a stamp <laughs> on your forehead. <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, my uh, my grandfather's father or grandfather was O'Deegan when they when they came here and they they sliced off the O and the apostrophe and just kept yeah. the Deegan. I guess that that really did. I mean, with the um, with the Irish uh, racism, you know, that was really Irish weren't so popular um, that when you cut off the O, it was an attempt to try to. Um, integrate a little bit and and not seem irish yeah because yeah i bet i bet a lot of different cultures you know like like uh jewish people you know when when so many people were trying to immigrate here like even during world war ii there was such bad anti-semitism that i'm sure a lot of people had to try to change their identities to sneak through because literally like the people of the united states did not want jewish immigrants Right. from Europe in the United States. Like, they didn't let them off the motherfucking boat. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, that's why we see the 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 Jewish and Palestinian strife, because they, they just got shipped right there. You know? Right. It, it's fucking crazy. But, um... Should we put these dudes, uh... Over there. That's, you know. Yeah. And that's really, it wasn't that long ago, man. It was no, like... None of it. None of it. None but of it. It seems like a, all of it is so brand new, you know. And we're we're like we're we're like holy crap, this crap, you know, Libya and and you know like uh, India and Pakistan and Afghanistan. And it's like it just happened like a hundred years ago, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it feels like ages and ages. Like it's you that's, know. That's just like a byproduct, man, of, of how we live in our lives, you know? And capitalism is like, keep things compartmentalized and like, you know, like, this is how it's always been. We've always had cars. We've always had, you know, yeah, you know, we've always needed our radios and TVs and stuff like that. And it's like, well, all that stuff's pretty brand new. Yeah. We can do without it. And we will again, you know? Right. You know, plastic bags and all that crap is... That's new. It's new. We fuck stuff up really quickly, but we can also, I mean, like, I do believe, you know, that we can turn it around. It's, yeah, sure. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it took us, uh, it's going to take us a lot longer to get things right, but, you know. It's sort of like we get, it's, I don't want to use the word brainwash. I'm trying to think of a, of a good word to use, but we get sort of hypnotized and forget 
what where things came from. And I have this sort of issue personally with sometimes not allowing things to be what they currently are by knowing their this sort of uh, etymology or like where like say for where a word came from or like what a word actually meant before its most common usage. Right. And like I have a problem with just letting it go and let it, letting things be what they are now. You know, I'm like, no, you can't do this because this means that. And that came from that. And you're an idiot because you don't know, you know, right. like, all holier than now. And instead of just sometimes just letting things be what they are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Or, or letting things, it's just letting things change, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're, we all cling. I mean, that's a, I think a defense mechanism because we all like to label stuff and have things set a certain way because that's our reality, right? Yeah. And somebody changes that or like, recontextualizes something then we we freak out yeah because it takes us out of just our sort of uh subconscious reality like things yeah. just are what they are and we're moving and it is yeah. and then someone's like hey but look at this look at this idea and it fucks up your your version of reality fuck yeah nobody likes that you're a full-time painter right is uh, that legitimate i i, I do other stuff I do a lot of illustration stuff. I I feel like let me rephrase. Let me rephrase the question. You're a full time maker of things. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Yes, yes, I make things all the time. Good. Yeah, because I I really do. I don't feel like a painter yet. You know, I can't paint like you. I you know I'm, I feel like I'm I'm getting there. I feel like an illustrator that uh, is learning how to paint. Yeah. Well, um, so so was illustration your sort of first love? I, I mean, in making yeah. things, making comic. I made I made comic books with my brothers when we were kids, uh-huh. and um, all real story storyline stuff that I I picked up from having a mom who was a school teacher. I had books all over the place, and she loved reading to us. We loved her reading to us, and you know, it's still like that. With uh, with with new books that she finds, you know, we'll still read. She'll be like, okay, and now I have a kid, so we can read. We read to the kid too, and it's just it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, so, for the people just listening here, because no one actually gets to see this video, but you're you also have a humongous bookshelf right behind you as you as you talk about your book collection. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of my uh, <laughs> Frank Miller and all all kinds of stuff. Uh, comic books and, and and other books and magazines stuff that I found at the dump at my residency like old timeline books. Nice, you uh, yeah, that's uh, that was something I wanted to talk about. You just you did that. What was that la- at the end of last year? Yeah, uh, started in October of last year and then uh, culminated in an exhibition in uh, end of January. Which is something they've been doing out there. Can you sort of explain what the project is that they've been doing out there? Yeah, I mean, it, it's suddenly been going on for 20 years. And it, it's uh, amazing. It's a, um, a residency program that's it's funded. It's a paid residency program. You uh, get to use materials that you um, pull out. Uh, there's like a – it's not like the curbside uh, garbage that you would – throw away from your house. There's a, there's a, a place where, you know, contract contractors and people that are 
you know, like if you're emptying out your garage and you don't want to put your stuff out on the corner or sell it at a garage sale or something, stuff comes to this room and it's basically going to be put in the ground. And the artist residency program, you come in and you get to go through all these things uh, before they get packed up. And I mean, they get sorted out. You know, they have some high power magnets that'll go through all that stuff and pull out metals and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, but people throw away everything, man. That's wild. <laughs> and, you know, there's probably there's yeah. probably not a lot of that, those type of projects going on in every city. And you know that in every single city, people are putting that shit in the ground. Absolutely. I mean, San Francisco, you know, we have a, a huge population. Uh, but not as big as some other cities out there, you know. Um, and Recology, they are a, uh, you know, it is a for-profit company. I don't want it to come across as they're a non-profit and it's all altruism and they're all, yeah. you know, it's a business. Um, they have a, um, you know, they have a contract with the city and um, they are growing, you know, they, they have um I think they're starting up a program in, in uh, uh, Portland, actually. Uh, nice. They just bought bought another uh, uh, recycling and uh, disposal area up there, and they're, you know, rebranding it and, and making it uh, um, their own. And it, man, I, it was just such an eye opener, honestly. You know, because you know how much <laughs> people throw out. I mean, you, I mean. There's a full garbage can at our apartment complex every time, you know, sometimes overflowing. And it's it's just, it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, so that's it's cool just, that, that somebody's taking the opportunity to, you know, obviously people got to survive and, and make money and pay their bills. So, you know, you got to make a business out of something. But at least putting in that little bit of extra effort on the side to do something a little, you know. Absolutely. Something, um, to give something back. Yeah, oh, and just, like, the awareness, you know, through the – they do a lot of outreach. Um, another component of the residency program is uh, uh, Deborah Monk and uh, a couple of the other directors there um, lead uh, weekly tours. So there's kids coming out. Um, there's uh, big businesses coming out to learn more about um, – about packaging and how it's processed and you know i was there when apple came through you know apple came through and they're trying to make their packaging uh you know less in you know with a less impact on our environment and so they send people out there on a regular basis to educate them on on what's going into the ground and how to make things better which you know Pretty cool. And then with sure. schools, you know, these, <laughs> these, these kids in like third grade, fourth grade, know way more about recycling and, uh, you know, how to, how to sort through stuff than I, I did when I was in college, you know? They're just like unbelievable sharp. And it that's where the hope comes out again, you know? The hope does not come from seeing everything going in. It's like, okay, well, you know, people can... Hopefully, we can we can turn this thing around. Yeah, we should have some smart kids. I think <laughs> either that or they're just going to be porn addicted. One of the two. I don't know. 
<laughs> or really porn addicted smart kids. I I'll take it. Yeah. As long as they got the smart part. <laughs> yeah. Well, and porn means less kids, right? And Harry maybe. <laughs> I I think you might be right about that. You're a new daddy. You you mentioned speaking <laughs> yeah, of yeah. speaking of making yeah, the babies. It's too late. Oh, <laughs> oh god, it's the best. How old yeah. you got a little guy? Yeah, year and a half. Nice. Is uh, yeah. is he getting vocal and mobile? Vocal, vocal is what I call it. Vocal. No, uh, <laughs> he is. He's uh, he's running around. He's excited about everything, and it's honestly a whole new uh, set of eyes on life. It, it really makes it. He gets excited about you know things that uh, I've seen a million times and I'm no longer excited about. But he 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 gets me excited about things again. You know, it's nice. so cool. Like airplanes go by, and I'm like, yeah, okay. And he's like, holy shit. Did you fucking look at that? What is your fucking problem? That yeah. is an airplane, and it's flying, and you know, just things that we take for granted. Yeah, for sure, we sort of become jaded. Do you, absolutely. Do you think? Uh, do you feel like a different person? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Everything has, I, I has changed for the better. Yeah. I really picked up. I I feel like I've picked up my game with with doing my art too, you know, like it was, are you going to really do this? So right here, the audio cut out for some odd reason. GarageBand was acting crazy this day. So got 20 minutes of the first part of the interview. And we actually talked for about another hour after this. And we had a really interesting conversation. Unfortunately, that is now lost to the uh, ether. But I was able to talk to Ferris again. We talked a couple days later. Um, when we talked again, I was I hadn't listened to any of the recordings, so I wasn't sure where it ended and what we had talked about. So there may be some overlapping that um, we'll see here shortly. So here's the second part of Ferris Plot's interview. Yo, buddy. Dude, that's a waste of weed when he's smoking that fast, bro. <sighs> no, that's that's the best way to do it. Taking too long, like smoking a pipe or something, no good. You just get it all in there all at once, humongous, humongous bowl. Oh my god. Just power. Power hits. Power then die. All right, so uh, thanks again for coming back on the show. You're the fastest hey. reoccurring guest so far. I am the first repeat. I'm like, uh, I'm I think like Will Ferrell and Conan O'Brien. Actually, you're the you're the second repeat. But with that said, the only reason that there was a, a repeat of a previous guest was because the first interview was way the fuck too long, and that it had to be broken into two parts. Oh wow! So, but actually, you're back on because uh, I fucked up somewhere somehow and lost two thirds of our previous interview. It's okay. But it's like we it'll just. We have 20 minutes. I'm going to still put the first 20 minutes in there. I feel like it's an opportunity to talk some more. Yeah, of course. I like you. Yeah, you're all right. I thought I, I like it was okay. Yeah, I think we did great. So, yeah, we got like 20 minutes of the first interview. Okay. And that was probably us just trying to get squared away. I haven't listened to it yet, but um, 
I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna let that ride in there. So I'm not sure exactly where it cuts off or whatever. But I figure we talked about your early life a little bit. Um, your mom's being a teacher, right? English teacher. Uh, a young five teacher, kind of helping uh, kids that have learning disabilities get kind of uh, up up to speed for uh, elementary school. Yeah. With uh, you know, reading and writing and and uh, comprehension and social interaction stuff like that. Do you remember, did we talk about your first art show? Do you remember the first time you showed your work in public? Oh, man. I mean, like, in San Francisco, sort of, I guess. Um, I think I did uh, a series of drawings for a cafe on the on the Lower Haight uh-huh. uh, called uh, The Grind. Still there. An appropriate name, right, for starting out your art career? Totally. Um, and it was just kind of, I, I don't know. That's a good movie scene. If you ever do a movie about the starting of an artist, like, you know, <laughs> a, a, a budding career, it should always start at the grind coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so appropriate. So, so super cool. And, you know, uh, I think on... On uh, on all my old skateboards that I just kind of collected, and I just I had uh, I had put uh, Jasco on it and stripped all the uh, old graphics off, and just uh, uh, drew with uh, whiteout and sharpie. I just drew these little characters on there, <laughs> like I because I I didn't know really how to use anything else, you know. Whiteout was. Uh, when my uh, I was working at a dot com in uh, Petrero Hill, and there was just there was just like that mass layoff. Uh, <laughs> where they brought the whole company into one room, and they they were like, "If your name is on this list, you are no longer uh, an employee." And it was something like three fourths of the company. That's yeah, crazy. Really That's like high school gym class, like running up to see if you made the team. Yeah, and there were there were dudes in suits with sunglasses and earpieces and everything it was very it was very like wow okay um wow i guess what am i going to do now <laughs> you know so apparently your name was on the list yeah my name was on the list my whole department was gone jeez yeah and um it was it was really really funny because it was at a time where it was happening everywhere and i knew there was no i was basically in a in a day working about an hour an hour a day at a dot com where it was basically they'd give me some work and I'd uh, I would do it and then send it off and it would have to be reviewed by a million people and then it would come back to me and then I'd do another half an hour of work and then it'd be like, okay. And then you have a full day of just chilling. You'd still get paid for an eight hour day? Yeah. I was I mean and there was like a full like, you know, Silver Spoons, Ricky Richie Rich like an arcade in there. You got food. There's like a food, like vending machine so you could get stuff out for free. Yeah, that whole movement died real quick, huh? Oh, it was so funny because people were so shocked that it was not going to happen. You know, like, where's my job? And I was just yeah. like, I'm going to milk this as long as I can. And I, I that's how I learned um, how to use... Uh, Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop and stuff. I just sat there and took tutorials and 
hung out and and drew pictures and nice. was just like okay, that, however that's... I can I can you know learn learn some you know some basic skills. Right, uh, I'm gonna do it. And yeah. I, I use Illustrator today. I use I use Illustrator almost every day. Nice, you know. Do you still use it in the way that you learned when you first learned it, or have you learned all the new tricks as you go along? No way. That the pro. Well, first of all, the program has become so robust that it's it's kind of like, you know, it's like going into Costco or something. You're just like, <laughs> oh my god! You know, yeah. I say I use it for very. I know I use a lot of things incorrectly and slowly, like. You know, I, I don't use a Wacom tablet or anything when I'm doing my my uh, my computer illustrations. It's all you know with the mouse still uh-huh. with one of these things. Yeah, uh, which is pretty funny. You should get one of them. What are they called? Wacom tablets? Wacom I don't have tablets, one either. Yeah. They're rad. No, I I don't have. Uh, Skinner uses Skinner uses one of those. He says it's pretty cool. Alex Pardee uses the shit out of those things too. Yeah, yeah, Alex uses one too. So we just had him on the show a couple shows ago. Oh, cool! I'm like trying to get Skinner on here. You had Skinner on there. I mean, we're gonna try to. We've oh. talked about it. We haven't said anything up yet. Good luck with that. Yeah, that dude is awesome. What's that? You just went to WonderCon. You were mentioning. Yeah, I saw him. He was uh, hanging out with the coloring. Uh, book guys um how was that great i saw a lot of you know i saw matt fury and i saw his lady and i saw uh skinner and his lady and uh saw a lot of awesome costumes it's just cool when people are out expressing themselves and it's it's pretty funny you know have you ever been to comic-con down here in san diego i have it's been a long time i grew up uh i worked at a comic book store in uh in Palo Alto and in San Mateo, Lee's Comics. So um, we went down before it. I think it's really, you know, it's a, it's a different thing than it used to be. It's so sure. movie-oriented movie now and kind of, it's... It's weird, dude. Downtown turns into Little Hollywood for for a week. I bet, yeah. Like, it doesn't look anything like that during the whole rest of the year. There's, like, the big banners drop down the buildings, like, exactly how it looks in Hollywood. Yeah. But San Diego doesn't normally look like that. Yeah. Well, that's that's, uh, Jay Jay Howell and I went and painted a mural uh, at South by Southwest a couple years ago. And everyone in Austin was like, uh, please do not judge austin on southwest southwest this is you know this is once once a year this comes and you know it's usually pretty mellow there's a lot of amazing music here you know not a bunch of drunk idiots running around on the street (laughs) yeah but we were those drunk idiots so it was cool um i tried to get out there this year for south by southwest i've never been and i just like put it out into the universe that I wanted to go. And I, I thought I was going to be able to do it. But, and then, cause I have a, um, a free airline ticket to wherever, as long as it, I have like a bereavement ticket or whatever. Uh-huh. And, uh, I called up the airline to see what a ticket to Austin would be. And it was like, I, I had a ticket to Philly that, uh, it was like $500 ticket or something. 
and the ticket to Austin was like a grand, twelve hundred or something. It's ridiculous, and, and you then, can't. I mean, most people, you, you have to fly into another airport and then into Austin. It's yeah, it was not. I looked around, but it was all of it was bullshit. Just because it was like the week before, and I was just like, "Oh fuck it, I'm gonna go." I a bunch of my friends were going. So I yeah. thought about going, then I was too poor, so I said, "Fuck it." Michael Sieben's spot is there, you know. Yeah. I'm thinking about getting him on the show too. I, we haven't talked in a long time. Okay, so we're right too. Yeah. yeah. His space is really cool there. <laughs> yeah, I hear a lot of really cool things about Austin. I've never been. It, uh, everyone says it's an oasis. Yeah, it's weird. And it kind of feels like it when you're flying in and out of there, it's like, whoa. It's kind of uh, in the middle of nowhere. But then so much good music. Wow. I know that's what I was really interested in in getting to see some shows, but I, I really wanted to go do some live podcasts. Really, just <clears throat> hit people on the street and find link up with a, a bunch of people who were all in the same place at one time. Have you done any bands or anything, or is that? Yeah, like... I've had some. Uh, I've had some MCs on the show. I've had um, the guy who I said the one interview was too long. Uh, He's the uh, one of the he's the singer of the band the Silent Comedy, and yeah. I keep throwing little like Twitter mentions to Aesop Rock. I'd love to get yeah. Aesop on the show, nice. but he doesn't he doesn't respond to any of my Twitters. Son of a, son of a. I've used a bunch of his tracks too, like in little like musical intros and things. Trying and I'm putting the the universal word out there. Yeah, yeah. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. At the very least, it's love. love yeah, I just had stuff. um, I just had some comedians on the show, which reminds me of something I wanted to talk to you about, which I don't think we talked about on the the long lost missing interview. Um, Some was of sort of the comedic aspect to artwork. Like, I think sometimes we see like two different, like distinctive styles in like our our particular like genre of art. It's either like people, or maybe even throughout history. It's either sort of like dark and broody or sort of like comical and funny. Uh, right. And I kind of see both of those things coming from the same place. You know what I mean? Like some of the same emotions brought up, but just from That's a true. different perspective. Is, uh, is keeping that, that comedic aspect something important for you? Because, I mean, as a person, you're, you're kind of a funny guy, right? You like to make the funny a little bit? I do, I do. If I've... I love the funny. I love I, that's um, that's I, we kind of talked about that at the very end, um, and maybe that's a good place to start off because you know, uh, I I really do feel like that's an important uh, component of of my work. I uh, I really I grew up. I have uh, a lot of manic depression in my family, and. Um, uh, and a lot of a lot of dark stuff happened in our family at a very very young at a very young age. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was I was exposed to some some bad stuff, you know, and um, kind of the way my family has always dealt with adversity and 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 that kind of stuff is take take the high road, find a way to laugh about it, you know. Yeah. Um, my dad is just like a total practical joker, funny guy, and you know, you know, 
all all three of his sons. You know, it's just a it's a pass it down situation. <laughs> you know, we just when we get together, the three of us, it's just like my my mom has to leave the room sometimes because we're just you know the three stooges, <laughs> total jackasses. <laughs> yes. It's like how can we outdo each other with 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 stupid antics and um I I mean what's more powerful than that laughter and happiness I love I I love I love that in in work and I and if you can if you can ride ride the in between like that's why I love Skinner's work so much is because I feel like he. So much of his stuff is just like, oh my god, that's the darkest thing I've ever seen. But then you, it, it, each piece tells a story, and there's so many funny parts that he wedges in there. And he's he's um, he's brilliant and funny, you know. And I I just saw Jay Howell on Friday. He was up for a, a zine release with uh, Unpiano, uh, Jesse Pollock's uh, little book project. He's <laughs> gonna love hearing it called that. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, but it's you know it's he's another guy. Jesse, you know Jesse and Jay are both really funny people, and they both have you know they're heavy. You know that they they've got depression in them too. But it's like uh, I think that the way they cope with stuff too. You know, yeah, so, it's that like, that similar like dry sense of humor. Yeah, and it's almost like there's like a level of intelligence to it, and then it's sort of like just clowning on everything else a little bit. Does that like when you're making work, are are you consciously trying to implant those things, or is it something that's just so natural from your personality that it just shows through in the work? I don't. I don't really think about it so much. Yeah, I would assume that it's more about just your your personality that you project, right? Well, and it's, yeah. Or just who you are as a person. Artwork, and I, I know probably for you too, for me, it's therapy. Like, if I'm not doing my artwork and creating stuff, then I I have to have an outlet or I'd, I'd be fucking Looney Tunes. Sure. I, I, I tell people all the time I would be a disaster to be around. I would have no, no friends if I didn't yeah. make the, the work to get my, my mind calm. I, I mean, I am a disaster and I don't have any friends, but... Um, well, you got one now, even, yeah. if it's just, even if we're just virtual, uh, Skype friends. Hey, Hey, we're Facebook friends. It's people. almost real life. Um, no, uh, it's, I, God, you know, Horace Walker. God, I love, you know, he sent me French fries once Yeah, in the mail. He, uh, he gave, he like gave away money <laughs> as artwork at a show. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I had I curated a show for the uh, San Francisco Arts Commission Gallery in San Francisco, and he built uh, the one of the most amazing pieces ever. He built the San Francisco uh, fog machine. He built like a three D model of it on a hill. He built a little hill, and then he built this fog machine that actually worked. And it made it look like the the way the fog rolls over the hills in San Francisco. Yeah, and then he built this whole lore, like a whole elaborate story about this guy. He was <laughs> last name Plock, unfortunately. Uh, he how, was like how did that happen? My great 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 grandfather that 
came to San Francisco, but he built this like amazing story around uh, uh, this fog machine and this character that uh, had lived for multiple generations somehow in San Francisco. And See, it's it again, just, it's that like weird, dry sense of humor that's like just goofing on the entire world. It's like yeah. this real thing, but it's like it's real creative and, and detailed and intricate. But there's that level of just kind of funniness behind it. It's like, let's say the difference between, um, ah, fuck, I'm not going to be able to remember the artist's name now. You know the artist that builds the uh, sort of, I guess they're, um, ah, shit. He'll build like landscapes that are sort of like diorama sort of things that have water flowing. And then sometimes they're in glass cases. And it's like trees and like plant life. Do you know what I'm talking about? And it's like a three dimensional thing. They'll paint on paper and fold. It'll roll. No, but I want to see it. You'll know exactly. They show in San Francisco quite a bit. I think they show with the Guerrero Gallery. Yeah. Ah, fuck. They may. They might be Canadian. It might be a female. It might be a male. I forget. Might be between the ages of one and one and a hundred. Fuck. You got some. You're smoking some good stuff. No, it's just there's so many. Well, I regardless of the marijuana smoke, my memory is awful. Okay. I can see the pictures. It's just the the descriptive words that go with it get lost. It's like, for instance, I could I can play some chords on the guitar. But I can't tell you what any of the names of the chords that I'm playing are. I got you. I just started jujitsu too, and I know a couple jujitsu moves, but I'm not going to be able to tell you like what their their technique name is. Man, how is that going? It's going great. You I said uh, it's, it was a. Uh, it's been helping you with uh, what kind of uh, reorganizing some thoughts and your life a little bit yeah sure like i have a lot of um frustrations that get built up uh like uh a lot of impatience and like anger issues sometimes uh -huh. that i just sometimes explode um yeah. and i'm not the type that keep that keeps it in you know if i if i if it sh if it arises in me i let it out like a fucking dragon shooting fire you know i'm glad maybe that we're just internet friends for now then well here's a, you know and this is something i've been working on for a long time okay <laughs> so no, it's not like uh you know i've been i've been working on myself and my brain for a bit but doing the jujitsu and kickboxing and stuff i i've been telling a lot of people it's like if you want to get angry and douchey with somebody or be mean or like go out of your way to to exert like a negative energy it yeah. actually takes physical energy like not just a mental energy to do that but oh, literally absolutely. like a, a physical amount of energy to go and produce this anger or whatever well if i'm in the gym every morning kicking the fuck out of a heavy bag yeah and rolling around with 200 pound gorillas that are kicking my ass every day that i'm trying to like you know not get killed yeah. I'm letting those energies that we sort of naturally have from our old monkey genes, I'm letting those out every day. So when I go out into the real world, I, I, I have one, I don't have the physical energy 
to be mean or get angry with somebody. Okay. It's just not there. I've already expended it all. I'm just relaxed okay. and calm. And it, it's, it's, it feels the exact same way as I feel when I've done a long painting and get sort of get into that meditative therapeutic phase of like dropping all the thoughts and mind processes that happen and, and all the external uh, sort of sensory things that we manage to let go of when we get into like into the zone, which is the same way that people who meditate get into the zone. It's the same thing which you were saying about laughing and like being happy and having that being therapeutic. Like it's, I just had um, three comedians, stand up comedians on the show and we talked about the same exact thing. Like that process that they go through is their therapeutic process to, to go over everything in their mind and, and alleviate all those stresses and, and, you know, yeah. comedians. Well, wow. I mean, that's a whole that you know, getting up on stage and bearing your soul and like trying to be. I mean, so much of that stuff you're putting out there is like your personal experiences and stuff, and that's heavy, man. Yeah, and that, it, okay. you know, stand ups were a big influence for me to do this podcast because there's a ton of comedians who actually utilize the podcast forum for getting their stuff out there. And for a long time, I didn't really like stand up because I, you know, like modern stand up, like I could hear the sadness in some of the comedians and I would be like, this makes me sad. Everybody's laughing at these people. Like I can hear where they're sad because I understood it from my own creative standpoint. Like, oh, I, I just deal with these things in a different way. This is how they deal with them. Right. And, you know, it's, I realized that we're really we're not that much different, you know? It's uh, it's just a, a different creative process and a different way to get things out there. But so, like, I hear all these comedians, you know, sharing their, like, deep personal stories, like, telling really, like, personal stories that you wouldn't tell a large group of people. Right. And there's something, um, I noticed a freedom in that. Like, wow, you don't have to be ashamed of all these things that people are normally, like, embarrassed about or... or are worried about judgment from society. They actually are like, okay, I'm not going to worry about those judgments anymore, and I'm going to step past that. And it took doing this to realize that. Like talking about like using like smoking weed. I wouldn't tell anybody that I was smoking weed before. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't particularly a huge fucking audience that I have no idea who's actually listening. You know? Yeah. Well, I didn't know you smoked weed. Before yeah, you did. this, you didn't. That's a lie. I mean, before just before we recorded, because I told you I was going to smoke right before. Oh right. Well, I, I just I I mean, <laughs> your art is. Well, is it know. weedish? I don't know. Did oh, you? Bro, what does that mean? What does that mean anyway? Weedish. Uh, <laughs> your art is weedish, dude. Your art is hecka weedish. There's um, probably some weedish art out there. Oh, God, fuck. I lived in Santa Cruz, like I said, for seven years. I saw plenty of it. I've been trying to hit the dispensaries up to give me free weed if I just make them little, like, bud paintings huh. for uh, for the for the dispensaries. But they're trying to shut them all down in San Diego right now. Damn. The city just went batshit because we have so many of them now that they uh, just keep popping up that they're like, fuck that. We only want, like, five in the whole city. Yee. And we have, like, 500. Whoa. So well, they're I mean, gonna shut them all. They're gonna shut them all down and make them have a 
like a $25,000 permit, like a, like a alcohol license. Yeah. They're realizing, Oh, Oh, wow. 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 You can make a lot of money this way. And I think the main problem was that we didn't fucking pass the, uh, the legalization that they're now they're like, ha, well, we're fucking you anyway. Cause there was a bunch of people like the anti-legalization weed growers and like dispensary owners who were like, no, 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 we got to keep it mom and pop. You know, we got We don't want the big government getting in there. And now they're all getting fucked. But if oh, we would have, if we would have passed true. 19, then I guarantee you it wouldn't have been because it, it would have just opened it up. Like just like, like liquor. Yeah. Yeah. Government would be making money off of off of weed, and now they're going to anyway. But they are they have been for a while, and they're they're about to kill the mom and pop shops. They're trying to anyway. I can I just saw like the the eagle emblem with with marijuana leaves. That's that so, weed. That's that weedish art. Weedish. Take that to Santa Cruz. Take smoke that it. and smoke it in your Santa Cruz pipe. What? I kind of think uh, some bud paintings would be cool, though. <laughs> you know this stuff is real? I Matt Fury stuff is just absolutely... He gave me one of his... A new zine that he just did, and it's... Like, wow. That's another one of those uh, weird, strange, dry sense of humor guys. Good lord. It's yeah. just... It is an amazing... <laughs> yeah, super. I mean, conceptual and somewhat. You know, a lot of funny things conveyed. Yeah, I, I was, I was. What was interesting to me about the stuff that he does is how um, I had his podcast, the Fecal Face podcast, made it into the iTunes top two hundred the other day. That <laughs> that episode that he did, and uh, which I I check all the time, so that's why I know our show, the Live Free podcast, is number seventy six today. Uh, no, something that was strange to me was like how he would take, uh, you know, like childlike characters, like kids cartoon like characters and put them in very adult situations like Skeletor having sex with She-Ra or, you know, like, oh, yeah. or like weird stuffed animal creatures having an orgy and a bike ride at the same time or something, you know? Yeah, I haven't seen that one. You haven't seen that one? Yeah, he, there's some dirty. He does some dirty stuff. Dirty, dirty Matt Fury. It's, it's so uncomfortable having it be dirty stuff within like a child's context. That's half of WonderCon, man. <laughs> I just saw. I just saw plenty of that yesterday. Well, I always say, man, the fucking like Comic Con is when all the nerds get laid. I mean, it's just a huge nerd orgy. You can smell it, kind of. Like on like on day two and a half, you start to get that, like... Oh, God. I just threw like up in my mouth. Nerd orgy scent. That could be a good perfume, I bet. Nerd orgy. That's, <laughs> you to, let's do a commercial. That would be hilarious, actually. That's hot. Yeah. Nerd orgy for men. I'm shooting a commercial this week. Are you? For what? A new product. Uh, can you talk about it or is it top secret? It's called The Schooler. That sounds dirty too. Well, it's it's a, a half, half skateboard, half cooler. It's like when you're out skateboarding and you're really hungry or thirsty, 
and you're like having a session, you don't want to stop and go to Seven Eleven. You, you got a cooler your on your skateboard. You have your schooler. Your schooler. You, just, you pop it open, and then you uh, you have a soda, and then you close it back up and skate it or school it. Are <laughs> <laughs> you shooting a commercial for it? Who's uh, who's shooting it for you? Uh, you got a whole production team with with the warehouse warehouse guys. They did the uh, the little piece with um, uh, Horace Walker last year for his uh, show at uh, the Upper Playground Gallery. Uh-huh. And I met them there. They're super cool. And they're uh, they're bored enough that they want to actually shoot this commercial. So that'll be fun. Fantastic. That should yeah. be fun. Have uh, have you ever done any like do you do video work? I know you've done some I know you've done some um some cartoon work like some uh is it would it be still animation? Is that you've done um, some animation. You did a I did some, I do some, I do love making cartoons. It's really fun. Yeah, it came out really, really good. Thank you. I don't I, know why I, I said that sort of like I wouldn't expect it to have come out as good as it did. I didn't mean for it to sound like that. I wanted it to be more complimentary. But a lot of that has to do with uh the my my partner on that, Jim Dershberger. He's kind of a genius. Got the skills like a magician. Yeah. He he came he just walked up to me at a bar and was like, Hey dude, I think your characters would be awesome if they were uh, moving around and stuff. And it's like it's kinda how I've always seen them in my head, you know? And he's um, Let's do this. <laughs> and we, uh, Kelly and I had a show at uh, 111 Midnight Gallery. And, um, uh, you know, it was nice to have something that wasn't static. On the back wall, we projected uh, a, a cartoon called Seafarers and just had it blasting on the back wall with, you know, paintings and stuff around. So there was just something else to look at other than paintings. And for for people who don't know, Kelly is your uh, your better half, right? Kelly Tunstall is definitely the better half. Yeah, she uh, uh, she's a she's a, an amazing painter as well, right? She is an amazing painter. And, okay. uh, is she there right now? I she wish she is out in about. It'd be nice to get her on the show. You think she would talk? Mm-hmm. I was gonna send you guys a box. Yes, a head in a box. Oh, damn. I never did it, though, because you guys told me you were afraid of the mail. Oh, God, we are horrible. I have so many things to mail today. Yee! I'm, uh, I'm interviewing uh, Andreas after this, Mr. Guerrero. Oh, nice. Yeah, we're going to talk about what it's like to be a, a gallery owner. Yeah. First gallery owner, curator person. Yeah, I... I... I try to make it over there uh, after the his, his space is amazing. Yeah, uh, I've only seen it on the interwebs. I haven't been yeah, to it. It's, it's gorgeous, and uh, he's done some some pretty cool shows. What about uh, what about for you? Do you have shows coming up? I have stuff in the. I have, I'm doing shooting the shooting gallery in um, October, and uh, going to be working with uh, Buana. Spoons up at in Portland. Kelly and I are doing a collaboration show up there in uh, December. And Kelly's from up there, right? Yeah, she's she's a Portland girl. I love so, that place. I love it too. It's it, amazing for me. Like I, you know, a lot of people before I went there were telling, were like, 
it seems like from an outside perspective, like uh, like sort of hippy dippy a little bit. I think maybe kind of some of the same perceptions that maybe San Francisco has. Yeah, like that sort of like ultra liberal type of place, but it's sketchy sometimes, man. There's some roughnecks around. <laughs> like people think it's all like friendly. You know, and I, there's some fucking shady ass characters, dude. Yeah, it, once you cross that river, oh god, all over the place, dude. It's uh, you know, I liked it though. I I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, and um, wow, so it's 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 changed a lot in the last ten years. Uh, when the when the dot com burst happened here, a lot of my friends moved to Portland and to LA. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh cheap for cheaper rent and just, you know it's kinda like get getting out of Dodge here for a while. Is it still affordable up there to live? In Portland? Yeah. I mean compared to San Francisco, yeah. Yeah, I guess most things compared to San Francisco. <laughs> but you motherfuckers gotta get paid somehow, I guess. Yeah, oh well I mean it's just you gotta hustle, you know. Yeah, it's a hustling, hustle, hustler town, man. Yeah, uh, we had talked a little bit about the the beat writers of San Francisco, and yeah. I guess we I I don't know I don't think it it was probably later in the cut, but I had talked about how reading Kerouac and Hunter S. Thompson in particular, like I had this real like romanticized vision of San Francisco, right? Yeah, before absolutely. I had ever even been to the place. You had mentioned that the some of the beat writers or even uh, Bukowski were a big influence on you. Absolutely, um, one of the reasons why I moved to San Francisco for sure. You know, and wanted um, it was the uh, the my my compromise with uh, with my wife at the time. That's <laughs> my uh, my first wife. Uh, I was we were living in uh, Ireland, and I really wanted to uh, continue to live there. And she didn't want to live there, and uh, she wanted to move to New York, and I wasn't ready for New York. And so we were kind of, uh, as like a uh, consolation, kind of, where can we both go and be happy? Uh, San Francisco, you know, it always intrigued me. You know, I'd been doing all that reading and and had been to some art openings and had done... um, I had done a couple of summer internships in San Francisco, journalist kind of stuff, journalism uh, uh, internships. So I was like, I knew San Francisco pretty well. I had lived there in some of the summers, so it it made uh, it made sense for me to move to San Francisco and kind of follow follow those writers. You know, Ferlin Getty, of course, was you know with the uh, city lights books that was pretty huge that was a kind of a mecca for me for a long time i heard kerouac got mad at him towards the end i think a lot of people got mad at him for some reason oh god he's he's kind of i mean yeah he's a, yeah he's a huge personality i think everybody got, got mad at everybody yeah <laughs> when does that not happen right <laughs> yeah, all all those guys though were I mean, a lot of wine drinking. A lot of wine and shooting, shooting people in the head, you know, and all Ben's kinds dream. of stuff went on back then. Man. The beginning, uh, of but Bukowski, I'd say, was out of all the beat writers, probably 
the had the most profound influence on me. It was just that his his humor really stuck. His humor and his uh, he mixed humor and tragedy so well. It, it was so funny to me as a teenager. It just really, I identified with it uh, so much. And my I have an older brother, seven years older than me. Uh, we joke around. I I call him my cool uncle, you know, because he's seven <laughs> years older than me. Uh, and he just, you know, he he really was my guardian for so many years, and uh, was made my legal guardian uh, for a while. But he, you know, he gave me books to read, and you know, helped kind of sculpt <laughs> who who I read and what I read. And um, yeah, Bukowski was a one of his favorites and he, he he gave it to me at a young age and I was just like oh my god this is the funniest craziest shit ever it took me a long time <clears throat> to find Bukowski like I had already read a lot of Kerouac and Thompson and uh some Burroughs we I had talked about I read Naked Lunch in high school and just I couldn't finish it but I, I don't know exactly when Bukowski's career started but I always when I first came across him like it sounded like he totally has his own thing but i totally heard the like the kerouac like run on sentence yeah sort of influence and then sort of that like like nastiness from thompson to where it's like whoa did he just say what he what i think he just said but much more um apocalyptic i think yeah i mean he was, I don't, you know, he wasn't of that, that crew, you know? He yeah, was he, the, he came after, right? He was, L, I mean. And he was L.A.? They were all writing. They all kind of, you know, rubbed off on each other. Ew. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bukowski yeah. was, <laughs> I mean, the, the watermelon, you know, fucking watermelon. And just like all these amazing short stories, you know, no, it's a dirty old man. I think it's still one of my. I still pick that up and 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 read little bits out of it, and I still get get a chuckle out of it. I just heard. Um, I was listening to MF Doom yesterday, and uh, the he has the track "Born Into This," uh-huh. and it plays the like a minute. I think the first minute is the Bukowski poem "Born yeah. Into This." And that one is that one is, it it sounds really good with the little bit of like musical back tone to it that, and i feel like there's a parallel between like that the rawness and weirdness of like the mf doom and quasimodo and all that all that experimental hip hop that's that's come out since i really you know i grew up listening to uh bdp and uh, really, really loved the shit out of 92, 93, 94, like it, I think a lot of people did, but I started listening to hip-hop in 86, and just, you know, have this, you know, it's a stereotypical story, you know, oh, hip-hop, where did it go, and you know, like, <laughs> you know, and, and found other people that I really enjoy, you know, he said Aesop earlier, you know, I, music is such a huge part of my creation and our creation around the studio we i would not be painting if i didn't have something going on in my um 
in the background or yeah well it's i think for me and i assume for others it's like when we hear music or we're listening to lyrics in a song like what it does is we when we find something that we like we're attaching some personal experience and relating it to a particular song a lot of times so it's like i know what that feels like i understand that emotion and i think it a lot of times for me it gives me the idea of just it it triggers a memory for me because if you're like okay let me think of a memory you're not just gonna like pinpoint something or some emotion that you felt when you were fucking 16 or something you know (laughs) but if you hear a song and it puts you back into this one very particular moment it has a it has the tendency to to spark your imagination and then spark your memory even to like remember your own existence absolutely and uh, you know memory memory isn't like a card catalog thing you know where uh-huh. it, it, things are just back there it's it, every time you think of something it re contextualizes you know so you're like oh my god and you're you're putting your your current your attitude and whatever you're eating for breakfast in into that context and i, I think music while you're painting it's just like wow you're current you're in the past you're thinking about the future it's just like you know it's it's unbelievable i um you know people that are intel i like intelligent intelligent music and i also like i like everything i I really i'm a total mutt i grew up (laughs) in the in the bay area loving punk and hip-hop you know both had such a really important, uh, profound influence on me. And, uh, it's just, it's just, it's cool to see, uh, like with 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 the with the Bukowski being sampled and stuff. Like people, like oh wow, it's still happening. There's still an exchange going, and it, God, fuck, yeah, it's nice, right? All those lyrics. If you put your headphones on and you. You listen to some of those flows and you're like, wow, this is this is beat writing, you know, this is gonzo. This is Yeah, for sure. For he I think MF Doom is probably one of the greatest poets of our time. But people just like put the like physical persona, like the mask and the big fat black guy with the fucking yeah. bald spot on his head and like are just yeah. like, What the fuck? But like I'll I'll hear a lyric and I'll say, Oh my lord did he just say what he thinks, what I think he just said? Just like the Bukowski thing, right? <laughs> and I'll say the lyric back to to my girl, and I'll say, did you hear what he said here and how it relates to this thing? And the, that thing is, is mentioning this thing, and it's connected to this thing, which goes to the very next line. It's Absolutely. so, so in-depth Yeah. that if you don't take the time to study it, not just hear it, but study what it is that he's saying, that... It's so in-depth. And then, you know, just the amount of lyrics and the amount of songs that dude makes all on his own, right? Absolutely. Prolific. And, again, comedic. Like, <laughs> the way he says stuff is so funny. And, he, and it's like stand-up. Because he will reintroduce a thought back in... Comedians, that's like... If you're a successful stand-up comedian, you know how to weave in the same you know same bit like three or four times throughout a set you know some of my a day, seeing dave Chappelle in um 
at Punchline in San Francisco multiple times. And that guy is just a genius with the stand-up, you know? Yeah. Just like, oh, I'll, I'll bring this bit back at the very end of every every thought and, like, interweave it and recontextualize it and say it in a different way. And it's... Yeah, those guys are crazy. I talked to uh, the comedians about, like, that secondary voice that happens in your head, how you can... You could be doing your bits, and then all of a sudden you're 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 like three thoughts ahead of your of what you're saying out loud. You know? Yeah. It's like your brain becomes ambidextrous. And MCs have to be like that, right? Yeah. And, sure. and all those all those beat writers and um, you know open mics because that was a huge thing in San Francisco. The open mic and open you know people would come and there wasn't always music. It was Poetry and all, you know, all, all forms of expression. Aesop is another one of those writers that is just from another planet or something. Like, the ability, like, even to be able to sing any of those songs over again with the amount of words that are fit into such a short period of time yeah. and said in such a unique, fast, brand new language type way. Oh, God. It's fucking yeah. amazing. And I think. Uh, for me, I think I romanticize music a lot too because I think it's such a good storytelling uh, avenue or medium, you know, because that's a lot of problem with us artists is like we don't like to talk about the shit that we make because it's really like the shit that we make is what we're trying to say. And it's yeah. like we're trying to tell the story in that way, but it's often so metaphorical. And, you know, music is metaphorical too, but it's it's easier to relate to the metaphor sometimes in the song version as it is then for somebody to visualize the metaphors and sort of put it into their own human context. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's like, uh, well, it's like, if do you want people to understand? Yes. Reading, like reading Carl Jung or something like that, where he almost makes it intentionally difficult for you to, to understand his thoughts. So you have to work at it. And I feel like some MCs, like, you know, like Dell, the Insomniac, uh, Topper, there's a, a few MCs where you, they are asking you to think about what they're saying. It's not just like, I'm the shit, I'm the shit, I'm the shit, and I'm the shit. It's like, okay, like, stop and think, you know, stop and think. I'm inviting you to, to, uh, think about something in a, in a different way. And, uh, you, you can, uh, either stop and, and it's like, you know, I think of also, uh, like old dance hall or old reggae stuff where you're just sitting there and you're listening to it. I, you know, I love the music so much, uh, but most songs I don't, I can't understand unless I, I look at the lyrics. Oh but, yeah. Yeah. You listen to a song long enough, and then you, like a little section comes out, and you're like, "Oh, wow, that's it's profound." Well, that's what's so interesting about it. To me, it's like two different art forms melded together because, like, the singing and the lyric writing, to me, is like something uh, from my senses. It experiences it in a different way than, say, it experiences listening to a guitar or drum. Like there's something like there's particular drum and guitar rhythm patterns that I somehow am uh, just drawn to. Like I can hear a song and find like certain 
certain rhythmic patterns that I that I could. Obviously, it's not the same Absolutely. song, but you yeah. find it in different. It could be in different genres of music, okay. like anything that has claps in it. I fucking fall in love with just. I don't know why. Anything yeah. with like a rhythmic pat- uh, clap pattern, it's got me. I'm hooked. You listen at the song La Murga. Uh huh. Oh my god! Look it up, La Murga. Um, the, there's just the tone of the. Uh, of the recording, they have these trombones at the beginning of the song that absolutely they they rumble something <laughs> deep deep inside, dude. Yeah, my kid feels it too. Like he just when that song comes on, he turns into a little uh, he just freaks out. He just <laughs> like starts dancing and is so excited. And there's all these rhythms and it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to listen to it right when we get done because it, it's one of those songs in the morning that gets me, like on a Monday, it's just like, oh! What is it? Eight times in a row. We spell it? I, I have it spelled L-A-M-U-R-G-E. It's uh, L-A space M-U-R-G-A. Oh, one letter off. You were close. All right, cool. Well, let's um, let's plug your stuff. You got the websites. You got the Twitters. Are you on the Twitters? I'm not on Twitter's yet, but, uh, you know. Will you uh, sign one up today? I think it's going to happen soon. I'm, I'm redoing my website with some of my uh, good friends here in San Francisco. Uh, it's been needing uh, an update. So, FerrisPlock.com is getting uh, redone as we speak. But, uh, CafeInc.com, K-E-F-E-I-N-C.com, it's... Uh, Kelly and I have a a collaboration website up with some of our our newer works up. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm trying to do uh, more and more work with uh, 1984 films, uh, which is uh, James Dershberger. He's a guy I've been animating with, and uh, Jay Hal has been doing some work with him. He did something with Porous. He 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 really likes working with artists. So nice. It's pretty cool. Fantastic. Uh, well, um, make sure you get those Twitters. And your, your website, Ferris Plock, it redirects right to that, yeah. that new site anyway, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right, cool. Well, uh, we'll get all that stuff up on the blog so that people can check out the things that you do and uh, get all those links. We'll put the music up there, too, that we talked about. Awesome. All right, brother. Thanks again for um, sitting down with me again. All right, Mike. All right, brother. Again, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a great week, La Muerga. This one is staying on for sure. We got an hour 20. All right, brother. Later. Later. Born like this, into them. As the chalk faces smile, as Mrs. Death laughs, as political landscapes dissolve, as the oily fish spit out their oily prey. We are born like this, into this, into hospitals which are so expensive that it's cheaper to die, into lawyers who charge so much it's cheaper to plead guilty, into a country where the jails are full and the madhouses closed, into a place where the masses elevate food into rich heroes. Born into this, walking and living through this, 
dying because of this, castrated, debauched, disinherited because of this. The fingers reach toward an unresponsive God. The fingers reach for the bottle, the pill, the powder. We are born into the sorrowful deadliness. There will be open and unpunished murder in the streets. It will be guns and roving mobs. Land will be useless. Food will become a diminishing return. Nuclear power will be taken over by the many. Explosions will continually shake the earth. Radiated men will eat the flesh of radiated men. The rotting bodies of men and animals stink in the dark wind. And there will be the most beautiful silence never heard. Born out of that. The sun hidden there, awaiting the next chapter. From the realm of Alkaloom, smelly gel fumes, separating cell womb to Melly Mel boom, revelations in braille, respiration in hell view, nations fail and shaking of a snake tail, make do, blazing swords, praise the haze, praise the Lord, saving grace, lace your broad, she say she bored, a crazy straw, ink and stale, dry paraffin, candy corn crap wrappers pale by comparison. A bad Samaritan averaging above average men. Rants and rants having rambling savages scavenging for scraps. Perhaps roadkill, if that, gift a gab, and he flowed ill, chrome stiff hat. Note for writing lightning tight lines. Chief and beefing, being off deep ends, divine bright shines even. Dimes quiet as minds by design, mighty fine. Slight rewind, tightly bind, blind lead blind. Need minds now, that was this is then. Listening to sizzling, official tanks whispering him again. Metal face finster, playing with the dirty money. Sinister, don't know what he's saying, but the words be funny. Major vets spaded through the vest with a bayonet. Save your breath, gave a F, pay your debt, they forget. Make a sweat, bullets, crime pays no benefits. Then it gets wilder with more childish and degenerates. 3,000 years ago, Moses said, Every human being is responsible for his actions. Or that being is still a beast, not yet human. <clears throat> At your uncle flows, my motorcycle trunk fools. From two one to one, loose crumbs to chunks and bundles. Hands down, better than what your man's used to get. Standing around for weather translucent, loose spit. Missing wheel, you don't listen, you a feel head. Sitting in the kitchen, pissing, twitching, kissing, steel lead. Crime pays no dental nor medical unless you catch retirement, county, state, or federal. You heard like roaring waters in a seashell. If a tree fell, you couldn't tell from three cell. Be real careful. They tell him by the airful. Kids doing skid bids, acting out as terrible. Word is bond. Fix your clothes, put a shirt on. Pants sagging back when used to meant you had a skirt on. Squirts posing as thuggers and hustlers. El Elo closer than y'all's ball huggers and jugglers. Motherfuckers. Doom is transmitting a message to you. Super fools! 